Welcome to the King's Church Amersham podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. blessing that was, hey? I hope it was as good at home as it was here. Um, so, uh, yes, nice to see half your faces. Um, I had to get a cheap joke in, didn't I, at the beginning. Um, I'm just going to read from Matthew 5, verse 17. And um, I was given Matthew 5, 17 to 42, but I'll show you how far I got. Um, It wasn't very far. Um, Matthew 5, 17. It says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, nor the least stroke of pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, Then it goes on to talk about murder, adultery, divorce, oaths, and basically revenge. Um, And uh, those were the bits I was meant to get to, but honestly, I couldn't get past this part of it. and let me explain it like this. Um, have you ever come up with a plan? Like, have you ever had a plan to, um, to do something? could be anything, I, I don't know. But for me, the story that I, I think of most clearly when I think of a plan was we had an ant problem in our last house in the garden. One day I was sitting out there as it's starting to get warm and an ant crawled up my leg and I flicked it off and I thought nothing of it. But then the second ant comes up your leg and you're like, ah, there must be more of these things and there must be a nest somewhere. So after a while I found that, you know, that sort of like, it's like a bit really fine dust they're building up. And um, I found that and I thought I'll deal with that later this week. By, by the end of the week it was like a mound and I was like, well, this is worrying. So I bought one of those Nippon trap things where you take the sides off and they're meant to take it to the queen or whatever and then the nest disappears. Um, by the end of that week I had three nests to deal with. One here, one down the end of the garden, one over there. And I was like, why are there three nests? Have I done something to upset the ants and they've moved around and spread themselves out? Um, so then I thought, oh, I'll get three traps. So this time I was like, I'm going to up the ante. I'm building up my plans here. Um, so I've got three traps, put one on each nest, thinking, yeah, this will solve the problem. Let's say in a couple of months' time, I had more nests than I could ever imagine. And what I did is I, I got skewers, like barbecue skewers, and I planted them in the ground for every ant nest. I, it looked like a game of battleships in my back garden, and me versus the ants. And, uh, and I, I was like, I'm never going to get rid of these ants. Um, we actually asked an exterminator to come in, and he said that these type of ants are the ones they find in hospital walls. I don't even know what kind of ants you get in hospital walls, apparently. Bizarre. Um, and he offered us to get rid of them for a £1,000. And we said, nope, that's okay. We'll try and deal with this ourselves. Um, we ended up moving house. Not for that reason, um, but that did solve the problem. Um, sometimes when we read, when we, we look at the story of the Bible, we look at this 
what happened the whole way through with Jesus dying and, and rising again. You could think that this was God's plan B, that if things had gone wrong. And he, so just imagine this scenario, right? At the beginning of time, God has created the earth. Everything's great. Adam and Eve are in the garden. And then one day, Holy Spirit comes to the Father. He says, Father, uh, yes, Holy Spirit, um, have you seen Adam today? No, what's going on? Um, he's put clothes on. Oh, no, he's eaten from the tree. And the father thinks, what am I going to do now? The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I know. Why don't we get them to do some sacrifices so they could maybe, um, they could maybe offer grain and oil and kill animals, and that way everything will be better. Great plan. So they start doing that. Little along the line. Holy Spirit says, Father, yes. Um, have you seen what David's doing? What, David Patterson? Trustee of King's Church, Amazon. No, not him. King David. Oh, of course, King David. Oh, what's he been up to? Oh, and you thought that Moses was going to be bad. Well, you can start to see the ridiculous nature of the idea that the, this, the God of all creation, the Alpha and the Omega, got caught out and was like, oh, I'm going to need to come up with a plan. And then that plan went wrong. And then I've got to come up with another plan. It's, it's to be honest, like, that's just not the way it happened. That's not the story. It's crazy to think, isn't it, that the moment that God created the universe, he knew the cost on him. He counted the cost. He knew that this was going to cost him so that we can have life and we can know him and have a relationship with him. It wasn't like he got caught out later down the line and had to come up with plan B to work everything out. Our God is not like a plan B that gets surprised by the fact that humans have messed up. So we come to this verse here. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Some people may have been listening to that, thinking this is maybe plan B. Like Jesus has come, this guy's a bit different to all the other people. He's going to do something new, and therefore the old plan's out. Jesus is not saying that. He's saying, I've come to fulfill this. For over a thousand years, literally over a thousand years, people had been trying to fulfill these laws and what the prophets were saying. And to be the Messiah, to be that person that everyone would look to, this is the way we should be. And then Jesus comes along and he says, I'm going to fulfill these. He's literally saying to the people there, I'm basically God. Like, I am basically God. And we know he is both fully God, fully man. He came as a man, but he was God. He came to earth as God. And so when he said this outrageous claim, he said specifically, and importantly for us this morning, I'm going to break it into three bits. He talked about what's happened before. Um, it's a bit washed out of the slide. It was a bit better when on my computer. But what happened before, what is happening now, what will happen now, and then what he will do in the future, what this will mean in the future. So what has happened before? He's basically going to say that this was always the plan. When he said those things, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, I have come to fulfill it. He was saying, this was always the plan. I was always going to start this way. I was always going to, it was always going to be this way. The second thing is, he's saying, I am here to show you what God looks like. What will happen now? Jesus came to earth to show us what God will look like, who he is and what he's like. And then the third thing is, what this will mean in the future, I'm here to make you right before God. I'm here to make you right before God. We're going to come to the third one in a minute, and we've already looked at sort of that plan thing that Jesus basically said, I'm coming to carry this on, to give it, I'm not discontinuing the past, I'm continuing on the story. We come to number two, I'm here to show you what God is like. 
When Jesus said this, there were some important things that he and his listeners would have understood. And it, it's a, a cultural thing of the time then, but for us, we, you know, if I was to say to you guys, like, take your phone out and, you know, download this app and something like that, everyone here, if, even if you can't do it, you know what I'm talking about. If I was to say it to the Is- Israelites 2,000 years ago, you know, what's a phone? How, you know, they wouldn't understand the cultural understanding, but they would understand if I said, I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets. And what Jesus was saying here is that they would have known that as soon as he said this, he was saying that I am the Messiah. I have come to complete the law. I have come here, and so here I am before you now. Now, it's at the beginning of his ministry, and you can imagine someone going, ha, oh, he thinks he's God. Like, this will be good. Um, and so they would have started off thinking, oh, there's not a problem here. I, re- I imagine that's why there's no confrontation recorded here, because you can imagine if he actually said that, they'd have, and later on we see those confrontations. But then after a while, he starts to fulfill the things that are said of him. He starts to um, complete the prophecies that are there. But more than that, he starts acting in power, doing miracles, setting people free. And they say, what authority has this man got? We've never seen anything like this before. And so the the Pharisees and the Sadducees start going, right, we need to get rid of this guy. He's clearly on the line. We need to get rid of this guy. What plan? So they come up with all these little tricks, all these technicalities in the law. Can we catch him out? Can we make sure that he doesn't complete it? No, he keeps doing it. So what are we going to do? Let's kill him. If we can get them to kill him, then you can't kill God, can you? So then they they go and they do the whole thing that we know at Easter where Jesus dies and um, on the cross. That was their plan. But little did they know that God was going to rise from the dead because he is God. Colossians 1.15 says, he is the image of the invisible God. The exact representation. So when Jesus came and he completed those things, he was showing us exactly what God is like. You see, for those people, when they, they, saw, they, they understood Jesus, they would have known that to complete the laws... Their their understanding of who God was came through the law, it came through the prophets, it came through the teachings from the people there. And so for us, when we start to hear that Jesus now died and risen again, he has completed all those things, he meets all the requirements of the law, and he also is alive. He is God. There's no denying it at that point. So that's what Jesus came to do clearly on earth. Fulfill the Father's will, reveal God to us all. And then we move to part three, if you like, which is what will this mean in the future? I'm going to read Romans 8, verse 1 to 5, um, which says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he contends sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Sorry, who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. It's a bit of a a mouthful that and getting your head around it. And I'll, I'll come to that in a second. But we have this amazing privilege of being able to look back we can see what happened after Jesus said these words that he was to die and rise again. We are able to hear the words of Paul written here and, and others as well. We've got the early church and church history for thousands of years where people have worked these things through. And we have this great and amazing privilege that we can, I guess, 
know these things looking back at them. But as we look back and we read these things, what does it mean that Jesus came to fulfill the law? That he wasn't here to get rid of it, he came to fulfill it. Let me just rephrase that passage in Romans. There is no blame on those who follow Jesus. Because through Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, who is far more powerful than any law. The law was never, the law was never going to get people right with God. But Jesus could. He did. And now that he has done it, if you live by his spirit, you have also completed the law. Let me read that again. There is no blame on those that follow Jesus because through Jesus we receive the Holy Spirit who is far more powerful than any written laws. The law was never going to get people right with God, but Jesus could. He did, and now that he has fulfilled the law, those that live by the Spirit have also met the law in full. As a Christian, it can be very easy to become like a Pharisee, I think, trying to do everything right all the time and not mess up, um, and do the right things and not forget to do them. And so, having looked back, it seems that Paul is almost contradicting Jesus here, because Paul is saying we live by the Spirit, we're no longer under that law. But Jesus basically said, I have not come to get rid of the law, I've come to fulfill it. And not only that, he then goes on to talk about murder, divorce, oaths, revenge, all these different things, as if like this is the standard God is setting. So you might look at this and go, hold on Paul, you are totally contradicting Jesus. How on earth can this be the case? But there's a very simple and very important point here which is you will never be made right by doing right things. In fact, it will always just show you how far you're short of the mark. You are only made right by following Jesus and being full of his Holy Spirit. You will never be made right by doing things right. You will only see how far you've fallen short. You are made right by following Jesus and being filled by his Holy Spirit. Now, someone there might be thinking, does that mean I can do whatever I like and I'm made right by the Holy Spirit? Well, it's a bit of a false question, that. And the reason I say it's a false question is, once we are filled by God's Holy Spirit and we have come into relationship with him and we, we've, we've not, we come into the knowledge of what God has done for us, that Jesus had died, he killed his only son so that we are saved. There's a response, isn't there, a human response? And it's a, it's a response of our hearts to say, actually, I want to do something about this. And so someone who is saying, I want to be full of your Holy Spirit and I want to try and follow your, your will is going to be filled by their Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit fills them and lives in them, they are transformed from the inside out. That doesn't mean I'll be perfect from the day um, you receive the Holy Spirit. Far from it. Um, we are a testament to that. Um, we do our best as Christians and we all make mistakes. Um, but what, So what does it mean then for the Holy Spirit to be in us and to transform us? Um, I've, I've done this talk for the youth and the kids a few times. Not this talk, this is for adults, clearly. Um, but this part of the talk, which is, um, imagine um, you've got a child sitting half an hour before dinner and you hand that child... Um, chocolate bar. He says, half an hour before dinner, please make sure that you don't eat the chocolate bar because you'll ruin your dinner. The child's going to go, they're going to sit there like ants in their pants, aren't they? Like, I really want to eat this chocolate bar. Um, And uh, and they might do it, they might not. I imagine I probably would. Um, And 
you know, there's that whole dynamic. But then, imagine it different like this. The next day I come to them, they're half an hour before dinner, and I hand them a raw onion. I'd be like, please, whatever you do, do not eat this raw onion before your dinner. <laughs> they'll look at you like, uh, you're crazy? And yes, of course, I will not eat that before my dinner. It is disgusting. Um, what's the difference here? The difference is, is that both times you know that you shouldn't eat it before the dinner. But with a chocolate bar, your heart desires it. You desire it. With an onion, you're just not going to desire eating raw onion. Unless you're very strange. It's much easier to do the right thing because our heart desires it than because our brain knows it. And that is why most of us eat too much chocolate. Um, God fills us with the Holy, his Holy Spirit to change our hearts from the inside out. So that as we are transformed in our hearts, he will heal the scars, he will fix the problems, he will um, restore us to the way that we are made to be originally. So that our hearts desire the things God desires and our hearts despise the things God despises. That uh, as we're transformed, we no longer seek to hate and, and get revenge. Um, we no longer um, want to cheat and steal or lie. We desire the things of God in our hearts. And as I said, it's not a, a momentary, suddenly you're there. It's a journey with God as he transforms our hearts and our lives. So we're like Jesus. We're transformed into being like Jesus. And one day when we stand before God, he looks at us. He's not going to go, oh, all these, all these things, 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 these, these all count against you. He's going to look at you and go, you're filled with my spirit. I see Jesus, you're right before me. How wonderful is that? Be filled by his Holy Spirit, be transformed and stand right before God. Amazing. And this is why God started with plan A. He didn't, he didn't get to this point and then panic and go, how can I fix this? He started and it's still going today. That through his son we can receive his Holy Spirit and be made right before us. We can be people full of love. The love of God and the life of eternity and the righteousness of of God himself as we go about. And as we go about this, we will be in places and environments that as we are transformed, we can transform the world around us, the people around us. We can bring love and light and kindness and joy into those places that are dark and difficult. That is the power of Jesus in us, the power of the Holy Spirit filling us. I'd say that for those who, uh, who don't know Jesus yet, I'd encourage you, to make that step of faith. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says that before, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And he was speaking about Jeremiah specifically there, but if God knows that about Jeremiah, he knows that about us. He's not limited to one person. And so when God laid the foundations of the earth, he knew each of us, and his plan was always to have a loving relationship with you. So whoever you are, today you can say yes to Jesus. You can say, yeah, I know I've made mistakes and I'm sorry for those things. I want to be forgiven for those things. And I want to know you and live for you. But for those of you who do know Jesus, maybe for a day or a hundred years, until you're in paradise, we must keep pressing in. Not, not because you earn anything. You're never going to earn anything. We've just said you can't do anything by doing right things. You don't get right by doing that but because we can come to know an infinitely loving, kind, gracious God every single day 
a new thing. This God is eternal. He's not limited to the days of your life at all or any human life or all human lives added together. Every day there is something to know deeper about his love for us as we grow in that relationship. So I'm just going to invite you, if everyone's okay with this, just to stand where you are and close your eyes. And uh, we're just going to invite God's Holy Spirit to, uh, to fill us. And wherever you're at in your journey, whether it's you've never done this before or you've done this many times, um, it's up to you. Um, so let's just close our eyes and we're just going to pray. Lord Jesus, whether we're here or at home, whether it's Sunday, whether it's Tuesday, you are there, you are here. So I pray now, Lord, for those that may want to know you in their life for the very first time. We pray forgiveness, Lord, that we say sorry for the things that we've done wrong because we know we've fallen short. But we say yes to following you with all our heart. For those of us who've walked with Jesus for a while, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh. Reveal something new about how amazing and brilliant you are. That we might be transformed from the inside out. That we might love the things you love. That we might chase after holiness. And that we might transform the world around. Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.